Yeah, and I feel like, you know, if you want to move from like a lower level to a higher level of something, spirituality, creativity, ethically, emotionally, whatever it is, it's going to take some work. It's never going to be that like, oh, like, okay, I'm just going to change this and now I'm there. Like you're going to have to build that into habitual behaviors. You're going to have to build that into small things. But that actually, like we've said a few times, I feel like the more you do that, you start embodying that as part of your identity. Like when you wake up in the morning and you set your bed, you're not just setting your bed. You're waking up in the, in the morning, setting your bed and saying, I'm a, an organized person. That's actually what you're saying. And you're identifying as being an organized person. And then that behavior, then there's like a bunch of them that come after that, that you start to do, right? If it's the opposite, then, you know, it's, it might not serve you as well, right? So like, I think about these things as like a longer term thing. And you're always kind of on your journey of transformation that never, you're never going to reach the mountaintop. I hate to break it to you right now. You guys are good. And again, I think it's, it's good to have goals, but I, I struggle with the, the deferred success model. And I, I really do feel like, you know, breaking it down and trying to be present in the current moment and, you know, moving toward things that are positive, but also not over prescribing your life in a way that is, is going to be detrimental. And I think most of us that hold these little computers in our hands, try to program everything to the T and we're like, Oh no, it's fine. Like I got an app for that. Or Oh, like, you know, I'll just get, I'll just go check out my one Instagram post and all of a sudden 20 minutes go by and you're gone. It's like, well, what can you do to try to like make, make you the, the person that is like owning that process versus being owned by the, the gadgets or the things that we have around us, right? If you want to move from that lower level to that higher level, you better be willing to change or at least be aware of some of those habitual things that are keeping you from doing so. Welcome to the Art and Life Podcast with your host, Taylor Gallegos. Art exists all around us, in all directions, from all walks of life. We just need to know how to see it. The Art and Life Podcast is an experiment in an audio format that focuses on the art and philosophy involved with different people and their life paths. This experiment is intended to inspire you in your creative pursuits, whatever they may be. Follow along as I interview movers and shakers from all walks of life. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, craft, or vision. These interviews showcase that fact. Listen while you work. Listen while you create. Listen while you dream up the next big breakthrough. First off, I want to say thank you for listening. The people being interviewed and I are two parts of the podcast, but it wouldn't be complete without you, the listener. 
I very much appreciate your attention and your energy, and I hope you get as much out of this as I do. If you enjoy what you hear, you can join me on this artistic journey in many ways. You can subscribe to the show, leave a review, and share it around. You can join the conversation on the Art and Life Facebook group, where we discuss topics from the shows. You can join my email list on my website at taylorgallegosart.com on the contact page, and while you're there, check out the new artwork I've been creating. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at taylorgallegosart. And finally, you can support my art and the Art and Life podcast on my Patreon page. Just search Taylor Gallegos Art. So again, a deep and sincere thank you for being here. Now, on to the good stuff. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. This is exciting. I'm stoked. I'm here with the legendary Benjamin August Blair Morse. What up, Ben? What's up, Taylor? How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's good to see you. Good to see you as well. Good to see yeah. you. Yeah, we've been uh, really trying to figure out how to coordinate our time on this, and we are connected now, and... This is this is the season finale for both of our shows. Yeah, it's it's so exciting. Also, December apparently is a really busy month for everybody. I don't know why, but there seems to be other things going on. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad we made it happen, man. Yeah, yeah, me too. So uh, yeah, we're gonna do kind of two podcasts in one. We're gonna do Tetrawatt and then Art and Life. We're gonna mix them together and whatever shape and form that turns out to be. Um. Yeah, Art and Life, this is the end of season two. This is the end of season one for Tetrawatt. You, oh, yeah. you pumped for this? Yeah, yeah, man, I'm excited. And you're the reason why I even started this whole experiment in the first place. So it comes full circle, you know? <laughs> it does. Uh, it's cool. It's been, it's been great, like, watching you go through the process that I've gone through and I've seen your growth in the whole thing. It's really cool. Um, all right, well, we're going to start out with the Tetrawatt part. And uh, so I want to I want to touch about you. I want to interview you. Um, so why don't we just start by you telling the people about uh, what the Tetchwat podcast is all about? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I started this experiment in the beginning of this year. So first episode dropped in January 2020. Um, I think most people kind of know um, what what happened, you know, the or sorry, January, 2021. Um, I know most people know what happened January uh, throughout the, the year of 2020, uh, which is part of why my brain is scrambled when I think about time, because time is a flat circle. It makes no sense to anybody right now. Um, but I, you know, I, I started this podcast really as an opportunity to connect with people again, to reconnect with folks like you uh, that have had, you know, relationships for a while, uh, but then also to meet new people and to kind of explore um, kind of how do we how do we reach out and build relationships during this kind of strange window that we're all in with the pandemic? And you know, for me, I've had so many really amazing conversations uh, that I wish I would have recorded. Met so many really amazing people in my life, and I mean, I think we can all kind of relate to that conversation that just doesn't end, right? You're just kind of hanging out with a friend, and it just keeps going and keeps going and, and building and. I love the kind of extemporaneous connection that we can have with others, whether it's somebody that you've known for 15, 20, 30 years, uh, or somebody you just met that night. And I think the power of dialogue and, and communication and storytelling and uh, artistic pursuit 
is is just so salient right now in this current moment. And you know, my the people that I've talked to have been awesome, and I've just learned so much from every single one of them. And I think that in and of itself has been just a wild success to be able to connect with uh, so many people and be able to share out with you know a, a handful of other folks as well that that jump in on the listening. And so uh, it's been a great start to the journey, and I'm looking forward to building on it from here. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's all about. I, I, I totally agree. I know what you feel and with the um, wanting to record conversations all the time. And that's like such an amazing thing about a podcast an interview podcast is you get to like, you know, record it and you, and you've got that forever. And, um, and it's just such a cool way to like imprint somebody. Um, it's almost, it's like a, an audio portrait really, uh, which is cool. Um, why don't you tell us, about the music i love the intro music to tetra yes. every time yeah. it comes comes on like da, 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 da. like it's so yeah. much fun how did you how did that come to be that's a great question um and it's, it's timely though actually my last episode uh that i released in october was with ellie daftor um who composed that music for the show um so the music itself is it was an experiment i mean Everyone, I think, knows listening to the show, but for folks tuning in for the first time, uh, I lived in Ethiopia for two years in the northern part of the Tigray region. Um, and uh, as, as part of the kind of really rich musical uh, dimensions of that culture, um, there was this particular beat that sounds like a heartbeat. And every single club you go to or every like coffee shop you're at, um, especially up in the northern part of the country, is always playing that beat. The songs are different, uh, but the actual beat, that's the underlying kind of musical tenor. And I love it because at the time in Ethiopia, like I would share a wall with like a bar. So it's like a concrete wall. So like, you know, two or three in the morning, some of the nights, all I would hear is just just banging down my door. You know, I couldn't sleep. Um but at the same time, it just imprinted on me. And I just, I, I have so much kind of ephemera wrapped up into that particular beat, that music. Um, and kind of the musical part of my experience there was also really salient. Um, music brings everyone together. We've talked about this, I think, on, on uh, our show, on your show. I know you talked about it on, on my show. I have as well. Um, and for me, like music is another language, right? It's another way to connect. It's another form of expression that is just so incredibly important and just transcends everything. And uh, one of the main projects I did while I was in Ethiopia was a music video project with kids singing uh, for other kids about, you know, different kind of social issues and seeing music be able to bring people together, um, even like on that, you know, kind of educational front was just so powerful. Um, so in creating the podcast, I really wanted to have a nice kind of strong musical identity to it. And I looked around to kind of see what was out there. Couldn't find anything that I, I really wanted to just grab. So, uh, you know, reached out to my friend Ellie, who's an amazing musician in her own right. And I actually just sent her a bunch of kind of Tigrinya music for her to review and kind of listen to. And she ended up turning out a few demos for me and sent, sent me a couple of tracks uh, that she just created from scratch. And it, it's wild because that song, like it, it matches the beat so perfectly. The timing is, is absolutely spot on. Um, and I think most, most people that listen to it just assume it's, it's like an Ethiopian artist. So 
uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fun question. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Uh, yeah, I love, I, I love it. It just got this like upbeat, like, yeah, let's jam. And then like, and then it like tapers off and gets like into like a soft part. Dun, 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 dun. And like, yeah. and then that it's like, okay, cool. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's get the Tetrawatt going. <laughs> yeah. It gets you in the mood, right? <laughs> it does. It's perfect. The goal. Um, Okay, why don't you uh, talk us through what the Tetrawatt podcast editing process is like, because you're doing all of this. Yeah, so this is like, you know, I think there's a lot of overlap actually with uh, Art and Life, your podcast here as well, in the way that I would want to talk through this. So, you know, when I wanted to become a air quote podcaster, um, you know, you start learning about, well, what does this pro like process even mean? Like, what does this entail? I was really excited about the storytelling dimensions of it, connecting with people, like I said, in the front end of the show, um, scoping a show, like having a through line of, of travel and exploration and, you know, self, self betterment. But then after you kind of have like the, the theme and the topics and you're kind of excited about sourcing guests, then you realize that there's a lot more that you have to do to produce a, a podcast. Um, so the editing part, uh, I'll be kind of short and simple here, but you know, I basically just started looking up different videos on YouTube. You can teach yourself anything these days. Um, and you know, just kind of made a workflow that you know worked for me, which is largely just using uh, kind of a video conferencing software, um, connecting with folks that way, recording that as kind of a backup. Um, and then primarily just having my audio recorded directly onto my machine. Um, I use the Adobe suite. So Adobe edition is kind of what I capture my audio in. Um, and then I encourage my guests to just capture their audio locally, wherever they can. So whether that's on their phone or in your case, you know, grabbing it through your microphone onto your computer. Um, and then I just have them when we're all said and done, uh, just send me that audio file and I'm able to then uh, drop their audio file into Adobe Audition and just start editing it through. And one of the really cool things about this whole process for me is there are kind of different phases of the like art artistic expression within podcasting. Again, there's like sourcing the, the guest and then like scoping the conversation and doing some research and then coming in actually the performative nature of being in an actual interview. But then when it's all said and done, you have this recording and you drop it into this space and it becomes kind of a second creative project that now I get to go through and I, I have to match up the two audio uh, files. I get to go through and I get to make sure the volume is right across it. Um, if I want to cut some stuff out, I do it. Maybe there was like a really loud noise or uh, maybe I just want to fine tune the audio a little bit, uh, which I'm starting to get a little bit better at. Um, and then the, the fun part, like what you just mentioned before, drop some fun music into it as well. Um, so I, I can do all that, record the intro, the outro and such. Um, and I think one of my favorite parts so far about this whole experiment from the kind of editing perspective is I've had now two guests that have done live musical performances on the show uh, where they're just dropping in their guitar and they're just singing straight uh, to their mics and sending me the file. And then I get to kind of be, be artistic about the way I'm pulling out sound bites from their performances and kind of sprinkling it either in the intro or maybe play the full song at the very end. So it's been really cool to just kind of put those pieces together. Yeah, totally. Getting all creative over there. Yeah. Um, to, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. The podcast, what things have changed 
in terms of your perspective or your philosophy or your process from like day one to whatever episode you're on now how many episodes did you do many episodes did i do let's see my most recent one i think was 18 so okay. you're you're 19 i'll be at uh yeah i'll be at 19 at the end of the season which is great i set out to do around 20 so that's solid um yeah from a process perspective i mean i think you know i recorded these these first couple i recorded three uh full episodes before i i launched um that was back when i lived in michigan uh moved down here to the island about a year ago. So I uh, was recording in a very different space than I am now. So kind of took me a little while to figure out my my new space and kind of evolve uh, from the recording perspective. But, you know, I'm just kind of scrolling through actually on, on my website right now, just looking at the, the various guests. And I think one of the pieces that evolved for me is, you know, I started super close friends. Right. And I think a lot of people do this when they when they start a podcast or something like this, you want to have kind of that like, you know, low risk, high reward type of person that, you know, so well, um, they're really great. They're really charismatic. You have an awesome rapport with them and you're able to jump into that conversation um, and put out something really solid in the beginning. Right. And so I, I definitely did that and played it safe. Um, I think you were episode five, you know, so like trying to get people in the door that I really just knew super well. I knew where I wanted the conversation to go and I didn't really take too much risk. Um, but as I started, you know, progressing, getting a little more confident in the, the process and like my ability not to fuck things up, um, which is, you know, it's a solid skill set. Um, that's a, that's a I, big uh, thing for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, um, but I started kind of reaching out to, uh, people that were a little bit more on like the kind of nice to have list, right? Like you brainstorm folks you want to talk to. And I started getting out to the people that like, I don't know if they're going to say yes, maybe they will. Um, and ended up interviewing some really cool people. Um, a former ambassador. Um, you know, I, I got a couple, a bunch of artists that I had never met in the door. Um, Dr. Abdul El Sayed, who is a former candidate for governor for Michigan. Um, and, I think for me, like, it's less about the, that trajectory, but more about having a format that you're comfortable with and kind of knowing your own workflows and being able to kind of control enough variables for you to be able to focus on kind of a, a higher priority guest where you really want to, you know, show up. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. It's like the, the first season, I mean, that's like first season and then second season was really about like getting the flow getting my I don't know first season was like breaking the ice and then second season was really like fine-tuning some things I had to like scheduling is really tough and that's something I've really dialed in I mean you and I are kind of trying to make this happen on a different time frame but season three I've got a good plan with that so yeah what uh is there anything that you're like planning for season two anything that stands out like any adjustments yeah, I mean, I think, I think one of the things I learned throughout this process is, like, I kind of held myself to it launching every two weeks. Um, really wanted to do it. I did it for most of the time, um, and then life happens, right? And I had a, a couple, a couple kind of like family health things come up on with my parents, and 
um, had to kind of make a, a relatively emergent trip to back to Colorado. And, you know, I had some really big shifts that happened actually in my, my full-time job as well. And so like, there were a couple of things that kind of happened near, near the tail end of the year that, um, that kind of made me reevaluate a little bit on where I'm kind of putting like any additional extra bandwidth out of being, you know, a dad and doing all the things. Right. Um, and so I think for me, one of my lessons is like to be a little bit kinder to myself, to kind of make sure that when I'm, when I'm creating, I'm enjoying it. When I'm creating, I'm like really there and I'm present and I'm not trying to stay on course for a, say every two week launch, if that's not something that is tenable with all the other things that we have going on in our lives. And I think, you know, that's part of the kind of the artistic pursuit in general. Like I, I think it's part of the process. And when, you know, when you're at full capacity in other areas of your life, things have to give and just being kind of okay with that. So, you know, shifting into next year, I think I'll have a slightly different approach to cadence um, in terms of, you know, how often I'm launching and, and those sort of things. From a format perspective, I've talked to a couple of folks about this, you included, is trying to think about ways to bring a little more contemporary conversations into the show. So something that's a little more timely. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe once a month or so, just kind of have someone in and we, we kind of break format and we go into like, what's in the news, you know, what recent documentaries have you, uh, been watching that really stuck with you, you know, how's, how's the family doing, you know, what, what, whatever kind of the haps are in that moment, just to kind of break away from kind of the, the, the normal format, just to kind of try to be a little bit more responsive in the moment to things, but. I don't know. What do you think? How are, how are you evolving your two seasons and your, your shifting into three? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I feel like I've got the flow pretty well down. Um, I'm like dropping a couple of things, adjusting a couple of things. I'm re-recording um, the audio for the intro and for the, you know, like thank you little portion that I add in and just like up, up leveling everything across the board. I'm taking a month off in January to do all that. And then, um, and then I've got an assistant, I've got a virtual assistant and a business manager. And so we've been talking about season three a lot, and, um, we're going to try to go after some bigger fish with it. And now that I've like, I'll have Delia, my assistant, like kind of be like reaching, like, we're going to make a big list you know, and, and then I'll have her just kind of like reach out and make connections and see what we can do. And like, you know, see if we can get some, get some big fish on the boat. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Next question. You ready for this one? Sure. Well, it's not really a question, but uh, <laughs> what I'd like you to do is talk about your time in Ethiopia with the Peace Corps. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so it's a, it's a two-year window, um, so it's pretty big. I'm happy to narrow down if there's anything that is of particular interest. Uh, but at a high level, I served as Peace Corps volunteer in northern Ethiopia in a small town called Hausen. Uh, and I was there as an environmental volunteer. Um, so I worked, you know, with the agricultural office and, um, you know, worked in my community doing environmental education and orchard establishment, you know, some gardening work. Um, but really what I did is... I built relationships for a couple of years, made some really good friends, um, learned a lot, learned a ton from the community and a ton from my friends, um, and was able to kind of help some, you know, ongoing initiatives that were already happening in the community, help them along a little bit. 
Um, one of the things that is interesting about Peace Corps as an organization is we have three goals. The first goal is, you know, kind of the goal that everyone thinks about, right? So it's the, it's the work goal. So you're, you're going there to help kind of host country nationals uh, fulfill and meet their needs um, through kind of the trained expertise that you bring. So for our group, it was focused again on food security um, and kind of the environmental sustainability dimensions of uh, what the Peace Corps offers. Um, but that goal is fleeting. Um, you can have some success there for sure, uh, but projects are not what makes the volunteer and projects are certainly not what usually kind of, uh, you know, lives on down the line and, and is really durable, right? Um, some people can have great projects with really lasting impact, um, but I think the majority of volunteers are actually really successful in goal two and goal three. So goal two is, you know, teaching, uh, in my case, Ethiopians, uh, Tigrinians about American culture and just, you know, sharing where I'm from and what I'm all about and, you know, Colorado and snowboarding and this and that and um, sitting down and having coffee with somebody and kind of getting to know somebody, right? Um, and also inversely learning about Ethiopian culture. So we always kind of joke that going out and having breakfast uh, in the local Bunabet, which is the, the coffee shop, is that you're doing work, you know, you're on the job, right? Because the, the cross-cultural goal was so important. And then the, the third goal is what I'm doing right now. It's, you know, sharing back to uh, Americans and to other countries, but primarily uh, Americans, what life was like in Ethiopia and what that culture is all about and kind of being uh, a bit of an ambassador post-service. Um, we do some of that during service, but I think a lot of that third goal is something that just continues to grow after the service. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it was, I mean, it was super formative for you. Like it was, it was really cool to, I mean, I've known you for a long time. Um, and then when you came back after that, it was like re meeting you. It was like getting to know Ben version 2.0, um, which was really fun. Cause like you thought differently. And then with that, like everything was a little different. It was cool. It was like, maybe, yeah. What, what do you feel like it did to you? Yeah. I mean, it, it was a really transformative experience for me. I think for many volunteers or anyone that has, you know, gone off and, and traveled and immersed himself in a culture that is very different than where they grew up or, maybe what they're used to, you're going to grow, right? It's gonna force you into very uncomfortable growth very quickly. Uh, and that's what happened. I mean, I think, you know, when, you know, for me coming from Colorado, like, you know, growing up, I'm a white male, cisgender, you know, I came from a, a middle-class family, had an education, you know, I, I come from a place of a lot of privilege, a lot of humility, kind of growing up and traveling and um, understanding different cultures as I grew up. Again, I was lucky enough to travel internationally since I was three years old, and I was able to go and kind of explore uh, with my mom and dad and my sister um, and kind of get introduced to, you know, different ways of life from when I was really young, uh, which I think is foundational for my experiences. But it really wasn't until I lived in Ethiopia. I think I somewhat, you know, I, I lived in Australia for about six or seven months. I lived in Costa Rica for about four or five months. Um, but then Ethiopia was, 
you know, two years and you're out there, you're kind of by yourself in a lot of ways and you're learning the language and you're working and you're, you're able to really build relationships. And I think one of the, the biggest things that any volunteer goes through is kind of the mirror that travel holds up to your identity and who you are and how you kind of float about this world and interact with it. And so for me, going to Ethiopia, where it was very different uh, than many of the places that I'd lived previously, it was the best classroom in the world. I mean, I learned so much, not just about Ethiopia, but honestly, mostly about myself. Um, Peace Corps is one of the most selfish things I've ever done, and I got so much out of it, um, way, way, way more than I'm sure I gave people, you know? I mean, it's one of those things that just, you know, it, it, it sticks with you. Um, even a couple of days ago, I was talking to my really good friends um, that are uh, going through a civil war right now in Ethiopia. And I was just on the phone with them. They, you know, called me up and that bond is, I mean, it's, it's as strong as family. Right. And uh, I consider, you know, those, those folks that I'm in, in touch with my family members and we're, we're, you know, as close as I'll ever be with anybody. And I think to have the opportunity to go abroad and to meet somebody that like ostensibly becomes your brother is a pretty cool thing, you know? So like that, that's a huge part of it. And then like, when you look at the trajectory of two years, you know, you're going to change um, in, in a lot of positive ways for sure for myself. Uh, but it's one of those things that, you know, it's, it's incremental. So I'm changing, uh, you know, every day a little bit and a little bit, and I'm learning and I'm doing this and that. Um, then I come home and I, I see you again and, you know, for me, I don't, you know, it's not a stark change, but for you, when you see me after two years, you're like, who the hell is this kid? <laughs> you know, what just came out of your mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so fun. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. You kept, on, <laughs> you kept on just like telling me that everything, everything's just a social construct. <laughs> Things just are the way they are because they they were made that way. I was it's like, all made up. It's all made up. All this stuff. So you can do what you want. Like figure, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> that's funny that, that that's what stands out to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was it's great so to true. hear. It's so true. <laughs> oh, it is so true. And it really like I heard your voice in my head a lot with a lot of things, and I've repeated that a lot. That when like when you think that something's maybe not possible or whatever, whatever, like you should ask yourself, like, is this just a social construct? Like, am I just yeah. thinking this way because I'm from here and this is the way that I see it? Yeah. 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 And I, like, I want to actually even just talk about that for a second, because I think, um, you know, for, for each individual, like we're, we're our biggest barrier for anything. Like we're the ones that are going to take ourselves out of the game before anyone else will unless you're my coach, which you were, and you've taken me out of games before, I'm sure. Um, so outside of that specific <laughs> structure. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think of something like Peace Corps, like it doesn't even have to be something like as big as that. It can be something relatively small and minute. It's going for a run in the morning, right? It's walking out your front door, putting your shoes on and saying, hey, today I'm going to go for a jog, right? I think that every single person kind of has this voice in their head that tells them that they can't do something, right? Oh, you're too fat for that. You're too skinny for that. You're too educated. You're not educated enough. 
you know, whatever the reason is, like we all have our own version of that voice in our head. And it's the ability to kind of step back from that, watch the thinker, like watch those voices that you're, you know, everyone has it subconscious, it's there, but then to be able to recognize it for what it is, which is, you know, it's, it's basically society's reflection upon something you're trying to do and it's bullshit. And like, you have the opportunity every single day to rewrite what that voice in your head is telling you. And I think there's nothing more empowering than successfully doing that. Acknowledging that it's, it's a difficult thing to do. I mean, we have a million decisions we're making every single day, but if you're able to kind of get ahead of that, recognize that some of those pressures that you're feeling have been internalized over your entire life, maybe subconsciously, and this actually has nothing to do with your situation or the facts on the ground, you're actually capable of way, way, way more than you think you are. If you're able to identify that, that voice kind of gets muted pretty quickly, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool to become aware of the voice. That's the first thing is you like awareness that the voice is even there. Cause a lot of times it's almost like, like that negative voice uh, kind of reminds me of like goggles that like are just sitting on your head that like slip over your eyes occasionally. And then you're like looking through that lens and you, you don't always, you don't even realize it. So the first thing is awareness of, of like that this is a voice and then questioning like, where did this come from? And you can kind of like trace it back to, you know, formative experiences that you can then like dismantle. And then you're like, oh, wow, like uh, it's actually not as scary as I thought. Or like that was just like, you know, maybe my parents were trying to protect me or whatever, you know, like and I don't need to worry about that. Um, yeah. So you were in Ethiopia in the Tigray region and now it has completely imploded. And, um, yeah, it's, I mean, I've only heard about it, seen about it through the news and then what you've told me, um, what a fucking trip for you like, and there's gotta be a wild juxtaposition for you to be in this paradise and then knowing what's going on over there. Um, and the whole thing is just completely fucked. Um, you maybe want to just talk about it a little bit. Yeah, I'd be happy to. And I, I think that you know, it's, it's been over a year since this conflict started, started November 4th of last year, uh, which coincidentally was the U.S. election. So by no accident was this, uh, was this started. Um, you know, there's a lot out there that anyone listening can go in and read to kind of get the backstory of why this, why this happened, why this started, who's at, who's at war with each other. Um, it's terrible, like you said. I mean, it's, it's some of the most barbaric, and inhumane conflict that is, you know, active right now on the face of the planet. It's, it's just absolutely terrible atrocities and just unspeakable things are happening. I will say that, you know, over the course of the last year, while it's been extremely difficult for, for me, for other volunteers that live there, because of what we know is happening to our, our friends and our, our family and our networks there, um, but I think I'm starting to kind of evolve my understanding of, of my role in all of this. And, you know, I think in the beginning it was raise awareness, try to just talk about it and kind of like you and I had a, a lot of great conversations and I'll definitely give you credit for opening up and just wanting to learn more and, and be a part of it. Um, 
And I, I think one of the parts that I learned pretty early on is that as dire as the situation is, everyone's got their own, you know, Ethiopia issue, whatever it may be, right? You might have family that's in Syria, you might have family that's in Myanmar or connections to these places, or your community that you live in in south side of Chicago is feels like a war zone, right? Everyone's going through their own stuff, um, especially over the last year with the pandemic and everything. So I think for me, you know, it's, it's been really heartening to kind of see the outreach of concern and awareness and uh, people, you know, sending Mary and I money to send along to our friends that are in Ethiopia. Um, and that part has been really amazing and really great. I think I'm starting to evolve to think a little bit longer term and trying to, to grasp a little bit about what the, what the long game might be like, because this, this thing doesn't seem to be letting up. Um, and, you know, the other day I was talking to one of my really good friends, um, and I'll withhold any information, um, for his safety, but, you know, he was telling me, you know, immediately he called me and he goes, how's, how's Mary? How are the boys? Like, how are you doing? You know, how's the Island? Cause he knows I'm, I'm down here. Right. Um, for someone that is in the middle of hell to ask me those questions and be, so open and caring and loving and just extending that, that grace toward my family is amazing. And I think that that's just a testament to the, the will that the people have going through this. Um, and just like anyone really that is struggling with a, a conflict of this degree. Um, and it's, again, I've got another friend um, who actually lives in Abu Dhabi, uh, who is one of my best friends uh, that I, I lived with in uh, and worked with in, in Northern Ethiopia. And he always cracks me up. Like we're laughing our asses off on, on this phone call we had the other day, just kind of talking about what's going on and connecting. And I think, you know, to, to zoom out from what's happening in New York times and Washington post and CNN and whatever. Um, and then to reconnect in with the people that we know that are, that are going through this, I think speaks volumes. Right. And to have that inside, perspective and to be able to stay in touch with folks um, has been the only thing that has kept me kind of on the, on the right course here to just try to make sure that whatever I'm doing uh, is, is positive and full of positive vibrations and just trying to, trying to see what we can all do to get through this. Yeah, man. Um, humans. <laughs> humans, man. Humans. It's, it's wild. We, there's like so much amazing beauty and like wonderful stuff and then there's also the opposite and it's a crazy world i do feel um, that way <laughs> yeah <laughs> um why don't you tell us a little bit about what it's like raising a family abroad you guys moved to saint martin like did you i don't know did you bring the dogs uh we had uh we had to leave addis back in michigan uh, the dog she's She's good. She's got a lakefront property. She's she got a like a 10-week-old golden retriever buddy. She's a golden retriever. So she got a, a little buddy right when we moved down here. So she's good. Uh we'll see her in a week. We're excited. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And so then uh yeah, the boys, are they loving it? Everybody stoked? Yeah, man. It's a cool, it's a really cool opportunity for them. So I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I've I've traveled internationally since I was three and I've been able to 
have some experiences that like I might not remember directly, um, but they certainly shaped my life in the way that I, you know, heard my story of when I was growing up a little bit and then it starts becoming your own story, right? Um, but you hear a little bit about the, the first international trip you took or uh, whatever else it is, you know, you always hear those stories when you were younger. And like, I see both the boys who are now four and a half and three, um, you know, when we got to the island, they were three and a half and two, um, and they've really grown up here. And it's, it's pretty wild. My youngest has spent, you know, a third of his life on the island and my oldest has spent a quarter of his life on the island. And, you know, we got here, one of the kind of first things that we wanted to do um, and for anyone listening that hasn't heard any of the story, um, my wife is in medical school down here. So we, we moved down about a year ago. Um, but one of the first things that we wanted to do was, you know, find a, a good spot for them to go to school. And I will say, you know, they're in an incredible school. It's a environmental Montessori. Um, it's incredible. I mean, the, the teachers are, they show up every single day. They're ready. Uh, it's five days a week, 7.30 to 4.30. Uh, we're on the Dutch side of the island. So the, the southern part is, is Dutch and the northern part is French. Um, so it's, it's kind of an interesting mix of things. And, you know, their teachers speak Dutch in the classroom. They speak French in the classroom. They primarily speak English. But, you know, it's such a nice little mixing pot for them to get exposed to lots of, lots of things that they would not be getting in in Ann Arbor, that's for sure. Um, so I think that part has been really great. And then of course, who, what kid doesn't love having access to pools and the ocean and infinite sandboxes and, uh, <laughs> you know, all, all the things that island life affords you, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Good living. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was wondering if you would tell us a story of when you and Mary met. How did that happen? Yeah, that's a good one. Yes, we met in Ethiopia, shocker. Um, origin stories, for sure. Um, you know, so Mary was in the, the Peace Corps group ahead of mine. Um, so I was in the group six uh, environmental volunteer group. She was in group five as a health volunteer. And, you know, before you go to site, so you come into the country, it's 27 month total service. Uh, but when you come in, you have what's called pre-service training or PST. And when you're in PST, it's about 10 to 12 weeks and about, you know, three-ish weeks in, uh, you've been given your site assignment and you actually do a site visit. So they, in my case, they put me on an airplane. I headed up to the Northern part of the country. Um, and, you know, I was going to go visit my site with my counterparts. And so I headed up to the regional capital of Tigray, which is Mekele. Uh, and I was walking through Mikele and I don't know if you do this, Taylor, but you know, some people that are really cool when they travel, um, they put their backpacks on their front. Um, so, you know, I, I had the backpack on the front thing going on. I also had another backpack on my back. So I had like double backpack action going on and I was walking down the street and I don't know why I stood out, but, um, all of a sudden I just, I hear people yelling at me and I figure it's just, bunch of Ethiopians yelling at me, but I look over and it was a, it was a group of Ferengi, uh, you're like, you know, group of foreigners. I look over and I was like, okay. And then they started asking me like, are you a Peace Corps volunteer? And I was like, cool. I must stand out. Of course I did. Um, so they came running over 
And it was a group of like, you know, six or seven volunteers from Mary's group from, from G5. And I know all of them now, but at the time, uh, Mary was the only one that I remembered because of her smile. So she just has this like incredible smile. Um, and so, you know, they were like, oh, we saw you, you must be peaceful volunteer. I was like, yeah, I am They're like, cool. Where are you going? Whatever. So I, I went to my site and then, uh, you know, fast forward, uh, about a year or so, um, you know, Mary and I were on a couple of committees together. So the peer support network was this, you know, committee that we were on together. And so we ended up like traveling to do different trainings for new volunteers coming into the country. Um, and, you know, we got to know each other and it was funny because she recounts that visit or that first time meeting in McKelle as like, I was like the weird dude that had the backpack on his front and, uh, she, she still won't let me live that one down. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, and then, you know, we, we met and we started, you know, dating and, uh, you know, the rest is history. But I will say for the record, uh, at the time that we met, my hair was about, it was probably about 10 inches or so. Well, not when I met, but when we started dating, it was about 10 inches or so. And then by the time I finished my service, my hair was about 16 inches. So I always tell her that she fell in love with me because of my really long hair, which she disputes to this day. But I think, you know, facts speak for themselves. Sure, sure. But you, uh, you do, you, you have a buzz cut now, and it. I do, yeah. And she still loves you, right? It's true. It's true. I think she prefers the the buzz cut, but. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, let's see. Oh, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the concept of uh, white saviorism, because that, that's something that. Um, well, my sister's graduating from college soon, and I, uh, I just talked to her about the Peace Corps, and and she brought up that concept, and I was like, well, my buddy Ben talks about it all the time on his podcast, and it's like, like it's a major thing. I feel like the Peace Corps, I'm sure that they went through like an evolution where maybe they were doing that more, and then like became self-aware, and then are like, seems like it's all it's all very self-aware now with the whole thing as much as possible. That's, that's fascinating, the, the latter part of your question or your comment there, because I think, well, I think Peace Corps made a, a tremendous um, amount of progress on some of these like more systemic issues. Uh, we certainly have a long way to go in trying to figure out um, how to address this. And I, I will also just say, this is not unique to Peace Corps. Um, the idea of like white saviorism is like kind of like a sarcastic or critical ish description of like basically a white person that decides to go into a community uh, with the idea that they're going to liberate it or rescue it or save it from something um, basically alluding to like superiority in some way. So like, oh, I've, I've got this education, so I'm going to come in because these people don't know what they're doing and I'm going to solve all their problems. Um, it's kind of this mentality that uh, is, is really fraught within like international development in general, where, you know, I think that there are certainly a lot of people that are aware of it and have been trained to figure out, you know, how to use specific um, tactics and partnership models and um, various ways to kind of get around this or at least to acknowledge it, name it, and try to move forward a little bit more authentically and, and genuinely within communities. Um, but, you know, white saviorism exists when Ann Arbor, when University of Michigan students go into Detroit 
and they want to do a project in Detroit, right? It's the same thing. It's just a different context. Um, and, you know, I think again, naming it and just kind of understanding and acknowledging that this is, these power dynamics are at play. Uh, it's really easy for somebody of privilege to come in and, you know, kind of bring that mentality and, you know, use it as the main frame of reference and their, their main framework as they're going through uh, development work. Um, however, uh, as I've talked about on the podcast, I mean, Molly Green is, is a great one for this. Um, for, for those of you listening in, I think she was episode four. Um, but I've talked about this with, you know, a lot of other people as well. But like, you know, it's, it's one of those things that still to this day, like I fall in the trap every now and then. Um, because it's like you said earlier, like socially constructed into who we are and part of our identities in a lot of ways. So I find that it's just really important to take a step back kind of wherever you are, especially if you're going to be going into a new community and take a step back and, you know, own who you are, at least try to understand who you are, look at your identity in all the ways and think about how that's going to then come into this community and, and affect your ability to do work. Um, it's not always a bad thing to be different. It's not a bad thing to be a white dude going in to help, um, but it's the way that you do it and the way that you enter and exit communities and needing to be really intentional about that, right? So a lot of it is, you know, in the beginning we used in, in Peace Corps, and I'll give them credit, this, this toolkit called Participatory Analysis for Community Action, called the PACA Tools. Uh, which allow us as volunteers to come into communities and basically start with the needs assessment. We start by listening and we listen for three months. We just kind of collect a lot of stories and we start building relationships and we don't start any projects. Our goal is to just meet people and get to know people. Um, and then the, the goal of that particular approach is then to, you know, have some information on the table that then you can use to partner with community members to solve problems that they want to solve, right? Which is a very different approach than coming in and saying, hey, I'm going to lead a training on X, Y, and Z. Come sign up here and I'll be ready. Like, it's not, it's not going to flow well, right? Um, and the other part, like just experientially for me too, like when I, when I was in, in housing, my most successful projects by far, when you think of the goal one projects, were projects that had already existed before I got there that I showed up and I found ways to support them uh, by supporting the people that were already driving it, right? So the, the Kids for Kids educational music video project was something that existed before I got there. There were three songs done. I saw it, thought it was amazing. A lot of people agreed and we were able to then partner to kind of further advance that project, right? And I think for me, again, it's more about finding what is already working really great, what the solutions the community members have and trying to figure out how to plug into those systems, right? Because if you're coming in and you're, you're thinking you're going to do something, you're coming in with your own mandate and you want to build your resume or you just gen generally think you're superior to someone, it's going gonna, it's gonna to end badly for everyone. Yeah, it seems like uh, in those situations, the intention is wrong. It's like, uh, it's more about the person going in and doing this stuff. Like they want to do good things and feel good about doing good things. And then they're just like, kind of like placing that on the situation. Um, 
Sean Korn is this yogi who wrote a book, uh, Revolution of the Soul, I think. And uh, she talked about that, how she went a couple different places and did that when she got some means to do that. And like, it really, yeah, it really like reframed it for her of like, the listening piece needs to be huge. And like, before you do anything, um, cause it's, a, it needs to be like empowering, um, and not, not with the wrong setup. Yeah. And I'll say too, for anyone that's listening right now, like the only way to get better at this is by like engaging and doing something it's through action. Like I'm like guilty of this. I'm sure many, 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 many times, like it is about going into communities. Is it about getting out of your comfort zone, leaving your hometown to go to the next town over to just see, is it different? How is it different? How can you learn from that? Go meet some people that are different than you and talk to them. Like you're never going to be able to grow in your ability to kind of learn from others if you just stay in your bubble. And I think that particularly right now, especially in the United States, like we are bifurcated into two warring sides. And I would say it's the same type of approach for politics. Like if you know, you've never met a Democrat or you've never met a Republican before, or all of your friends are of the same party and the same echo chamber, then maybe you should try to figure out ways to go meet with people that actually think slightly different than you. And that's okay. And like, how can you put yourself in a position that affords you those opportunities. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be really hard. You're probably going to disagree with a lot of what you hear, but you're also never going to grow and become a better person and a more holistic person unless you figure out ways to do that, right? And you can think about that in whatever topic or part of your identity you want to grow in. It's like, well, let's, let's try to find ways to find those growth opportunities. Yeah, love it. And that's how we grow as a human. Yep. Lean into it. That's it. <laughs> um, all right, next question. Um, soccer or running crazy distances? Which is better? Uh, I love that question. Because there, I mean, there's so many layers to that question. I mean, I think for most of my life, it has been soccer. I mean, uh, I started running crazy distances when I was no longer capable of playing soccer at the level that I really enjoyed. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would say both are really great. Um, currently in this, in this moment, I like running cause you know, it's, it's the thing that, uh, with two kids and full-time job and all the things I can fit it in wherever it's convenient and I can set personal goals and still grow. Um, I do miss the team dimensions of playing soccer. I mean, I miss all of like everything about soccer. I still have dreams of like scoring goals and I wake up and I'm like, man, I need to go get my boots and jump on like a nice, like, like fresh pitch and just get out there. That feeling I don't think will ever go away. <laughs> like that's just like inherent. <laughs> I feel like in, in who we are as soccer players. Um, but it's, I think also like sport in general, you know, once you realize that you're, maybe you're not going to be a professional soccer player, <laughs> which I think I've come to that realization when I look at, you know, teams that are fielding 17 and 18 year olds and I didn't, I didn't make the cut. Um, <laughs> but, you know, once you've kind of transitioned there, like I, I do find it really empowering to find that next chapter and to make, make sure you're still engaged. And for me, it's been running uh, since I moved to the Island, it's been swimming and scuba diving and, 
snorkeling uh, along with running and like finding that thing that that gets you excited to get out of bed and go on that next adventure yeah get your body moving whatever way you do it it's yeah. all good yeah. just that you do um yeah okay and then uh, another thing i was hoping you would talk about a little bit is uh plant-based mm. being plant-based powered by plants <laughs> what do you want to know i don't know i guess um i mean you you had one really great conversation um with a dude i think he was from brazil um, vitor yeah that was great and um I don't know. I mean, like maybe talk about like your transition into it or like what you're really focused on these days, like how, you know, like how you feel on it, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think the transition question is, is interesting um, just because of where we are with, with options these days. Um, so like going way back, um, I'm allergic to dairy. So like, like anaphylactically EpiPen allergic to milk that comes out of a cow's udder, uh, it will kill me. So, you know, like growing up, like I never had dairy, I never had cheese. Um, and that, that part of it, I think has been interesting to like unpack in like my later, later years here. Um, but you know, like when I grew up, my mom, if she, you know, she wanted to give me some nice ice cream or something, like I would, like she would have to drive to Boulder and, you know, pick up some like soy-based hippie ice cream from some like hippie dippy shop and bring it back. Uh, and like, that was great. Uh, that's really how it was back in like the nineties when I was growing up. Um, you know, I, I eat meat my whole life and eggs for the most part until uh, Ethiopia is where I started kind of looking at my diet a little bit differently. Um, and even a little bit before that, but I do find it like, you know, diet is something that is so incredibly personal and it's like part of your identity. And like, we make choices every single day on what we, we put in our bodies. So that's, that's part of why I find these conversations like so fascinating uh, because everyone is unique, right? Everyone has like a slightly different take. Um, even someone else that is like plant-based or vegan will have a totally different diet than what I eat. Right. Which is cool. I mean, that's part of why it's so fun to be you know, a human that eats food, right. And connects with other people, um, about what they eat. Um, but, you know, thinking about transitions in general, like when I was in Ethiopia, I just really like slowed down on the meat intake, mostly because Ethiopians fast more, they more days than they don't. Uh, and when I say fast, I mean, they just, they don't eat any animal products, um, because of Orthodox Christianity. Um, so I just ate less. Also, I didn't have a refrigerator to store cold cuts or, you know, anything else in. So I just, I think the habitual kind of meat, meat snacking or, you know, whatever, um, kind of went away for me when I was there. And if I wanted to eat chicken, I had to buy it and kill it. Uh, if I wanted to eat a sheep, I had to buy it and kill it. And that happened a couple of times. Um, and I didn't love the process of killing my own meat. And I remember like thinking to myself, well, if, if I can't kill this meat, my, like if I can't kill these animals myself, then why am I okay with someone else killing it for me? Like I distanced myself from all that pain and that suffering and just the whole process. And like, I just almost, frankly, I pretend it's not even, it, was, it wasn't even animal. Now it's not, it's named something else. 
you know, it's ham or something like it's not pig, you know what I mean? And, um, so yeah, when I was in Ethiopia, I just started eating less. Um, and then actually, you know, really interestingly, I, I had an opportunity to meet Scott Jurek. You know who Scott is? You heard of this dude? Mm-mm. So Scott Jurek is a ultra marathoner, uh, vegan runner. Um, and he's like one of the, one of the absolute best, one of the all-time best. Um, and he kind of came up, uh, before ultra marathoning, like became really popular and like, he's, he's like one Western States, 100, he won it six times in a row. Western States is like the super bowl of ultra running. So this Whoa. dude is just like incredible. And so he has like, um, he's been, you know, referencing born to run, uh, which is a really popular book. So he's, he's got his own storylines there. And then he, he actually came out with a book called eat and run. And he came out with the book basically when I was in Ethiopia and it's, it's kind of his, his own memoir, uh, but it actually has plant-based recipes every single chapter. So it's kind of like part cookbook, part memoir. And so I was like starting to get into like, just reading about this, this guy and like his stories. Cause I was starting to get into running in Ethiopia a lot more and somehow the stars aligned and he came to my small village in Northern Ethiopia to run a race that was a fundraiser for the Himalayan cataract society. Uh, so dude shows up and, uh, I knew who he was, which was great. Cause you know, if it had been a couple months early, I would have no idea who this guy was. And I had an opportunity to, to talk with him without knowing it was him. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I knew he was going to be there. I kind of knew what he looked like, but not really. I had read his book and I was just chatting to some guy, chatting with some guy. And I was talking about like, you know, food security and some of my gardening projects. And um, I, you know, had a chance to just kind of describe like all the work that I've been doing in orchard establishment projects outside of my village. And, um, And we talked for probably 15, 20 minutes. And then someone came by and they were like, hey, Scott, let's go. And I like looked up at him and I was like, no shit. <laughs> like that's Scott Jurek. Like that's crazy. So like, you know, when you meet somebody that is just like, you know, such a, such an inspiration and like such a character and uh, in a lot of ways, just like the, the best of a sport, right. Um, a celebrity in many rights. Uh, and then you don't even know who they are because they're so humble in the way they talk to you and like they connect really authentically. Um, so that was the, the experience I had with Scott. Um, you know, we ran the race, whatever, but moving forward from there, like I was kind of struck with more inspiration, both on the running front and on the plant-based front. So kind of started cutting out meat even more and started running even more and ended up doing a running project at the end of my service. That was 175 miles in eight days. Uh, did a lot of education along the route. Um, I definitely wasn't vegan for the run. I'll just like call that out. <laughs> like I ate plenty, I, I ate way too many eggs. Um, but that was kind of my main fuel getting through that one. Um, but then, yeah, I came back to the States and, you know, Mary and I both started kind of transitioning into more of a plant-based diet. Um, and the last thing I'll say on that is like, it takes a while. Like it's not something that I didn't just stop kind of overnight, you know, it's like the incremental small behavior change at a time and getting used to learning about food again, right. Learning about what to eat, what to cook, how to cook, when to cook. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's Vitor who went cold turkey, cold, 
Tofurky. Tofurky. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Oh, man. Um, why don't you uh, name some highlights of season one? Some, uh, like, a couple, like, cool moments that stand out to you. Yeah, really testing my memory here. No, I, I had a great group of folks. Um, I was actually thinking to myself the other day, how cool it would be to have all of the guests on the podcast hanging out in the same room, just chatting. And I loved this like thought exercise because the conversations I had with everyone, like there was a thread. Um, it was a thread that I got to weave and kind of decide, you know, how these people are connected. Um, but in my mind, and I think hopefully for the listener, all these people are, are very intimately connected in their stories. And, you know, for to pull out highlights is like a, a very difficult task because um, each guest was just phenomenal and just learned so much from every guest. Um, yeah, so I'll leave it at that. I, I do have like uh, some highlights, but I think it was more the opportunity to share those stories with other people than it was for me to kind of like viscerally experience what the conversation was like, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, that was the right answer. It's like uh, asking you which, which kid's your favorite. <laughs> you can't do that. True. True. Uh, awesome. Well, that's about all I got on this side. You just got tetrawatted. <laughs> and you did a very well, very good job. Very oh. well done. Thanks, man. Thanks. I didn't even get to do my, uh, I didn't, I was going to lead with my Ben Morse impression, but well, uh, lay it on me. What you got? Um, well, it's just like the intro, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll do it next, next time. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll, uh, I'll keep listening. It's so good. You have to rehearse it. I get it. We're, I mean, I rehearse, I practice it all the time driving in the car. I'll just like do my Ben Morse impression. <laughs> <laughs> good oh man that's great it's a great podcast i'm loving it i've listened to every episode nice and uh there's yeah there's tons of highlights that are that are really cool and um yeah you're getting really good guests and i feel like uh it's been cool to watch you get more comfortable you know um and that it's just it's just the natural evolution of doing any sort of creative you know expression is like over time you just get better it's cool i love it because i think that's true like i think you know the more you do something the more experiences you have and you know you, you get better naturally what i really love about it though in general is every conversation again is another opportunity to go through and improve but also like you know i i still going into each conversation i'm not nervous i'm excited but it's like, it's cool to have some like physical reaction to the work that you're doing because you're, you're putting yourself into a position where you know you're growing, right? And like, I think that if I didn't have that and if I was just kind of asleep at the wheel, be really shitty conversations, right? So it kind of makes you, you know, you, you kind of step up a little bit and you show up and I love it. I mean, it's, it's cool. I mean, you also have experienced this and you, you keep growing. I will also give you lots of kudos for, for getting through, you know, season two on your end. Um, I mean, I was, I was trying to look, you're at what, 80, 80 something episodes now. Where are you at? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be putting out, 
<clears throat> this will be like number 84, I think. Awesome. Yeah, it's cool with podcasting. I feel like what you what you can get better at is being more yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, at least with my podcast and your podcast. Like the more um yeah, the more you can like settle into yourself and um and also just like uh it's like the art of listening. Um it's really cool. Listening and like guiding the conversation. It's really it's fun. What does being yourself mean to you in this setting? Mm. Um, <clears throat> great question, dude. <laughs> I would say being myself in this, it's like, it's being more and more connected to your intention with your podcast, with your, your art that you're making, you know, these podcasts being art. It's like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with it? What is the main intention, the goal? What are you trying to like feel? How do you want it to feel all these things like that? And um, yeah, the more authentic you can be as like, and more connected to that, uh, the better it is, the better it flows. Yeah. Which is really cool because like, you're not, when you're being yourself, I feel like it's, it doesn't feel like work because you're, you're just you and you're doing what you do. And that's, and like, as the podcast goes along, like you just blend more into that. Like um, it becomes you and you become it. You just catch one. You just touch one, man. <laughs> touch what? <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I do feel like it's, you know, I don't know if you feel this way. You've done a, a almost yeah, 84 of these. Sometimes I come in and it feels like I'm I'm really focused. I really know what I want to get out of the conversation. Maybe I've scripted out a few questions. And it it's even like borderline structured, too, too structured almost. Other times I come in where it's like not structured at all, like completely opposite end of the spectrum. I don't know how you feel about your progression and like, are you super consistent about the way you approach every conversation or does it really depend on the type of day you had or the type of guests you're bringing in? Again, this podcast is brought to you by High Ground Coffee, an adventure coffee brand with a new twist on brewing coffee, wherein you steep coffee like it's a tea. You just drop a packet in hot water and you go. It's the newest way to brew coffee and it's awesome. Use coupon code TAYLOR at checkout for 15% off. Visit them at myadventurecoffee.com. That's myadventurecoffee.com. Well, I've got, I've got a format that I've developed and the format has a little structure at the beginning and and some structure at the end. And then there's like this free flow time in between. So um, yeah, I'm really like leaning into the format more and more. Um, And so it, it really like, kind of makes it easier like I don't have to think about that stuff I know how it's going to start and I know how it's going to end and then it like opens up the middle to just be like whatever it's going to be and that format is something that I've like been really like tweaking um every single episode I'm like coming to the episode coming into the interview um you know with like a little adjustment okay I liked how that question flowed last time I'm going to add that 
again this time or like that's not working let me switch this up you know and it's like so the whole thing has just been like a, a tinkering through time tinkering through time hashtag that one tinker time <laughs> i wanted to ask you too i was thinking about this conversation and like you know your your show one of your like cornerstone questions is definition around art and like for someone that has had this conversation now with so many people in this venue how has your definition of art evolved or has it <clears throat> yeah i think it, that it's expanded a lot um and it's become more well-rounded just hearing different people's perspectives on what art is um really you know just like illuminates for me that it can be so many different things and it depends on your perspective and um there's all these little nuances and it's really it's a fun question that's part of that format that's so cool because like uh it's almost like the format is this little machine that you put each person through and then you get this like special unique thing out of it um you know and and each person brings something extra or unique or like another outside perspective like oh wow i didn't never thought of it that way that's really cool like um you know some people like bring in like outside things that, that i never thought of or they'll like you know look at it upside down from everything else everyone else and um so yeah it's really neat yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I also wanted to like, you know, I think that, you know, when you're going through and you're sourcing guests and you're thinking about scope of things, like to what extent is your audience kind of in mind? Like, are you focused on the person that you're talking to? Or are you also kind of at the same time really focused on crafting a message that resonates with folks listening? It's uh, yeah, it's a little bit of both. It's, a, it's definitely for the listener. There's a lot of that. Um, it like the whole thing. The, I'm basically making the podcast for me from the past. Right. And I know that there's a ton of me's out there. Um, people who are aspiring creatives, um, you know, look into like everybody wants to just like do their thing and do it more. And, um, so yeah, it's really for that, that person, um, that wants, wants more out of themselves, wants more creative juice. Like I'm making what I wish I had, um, back in the past. And, and then every, every person that I'm going after, I'm like, oh man, that would be a really cool perspective to share with my listeners, you know, that might make them think about like rethink things or, you know, bring in those other perspectives and like, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like a firefighter is an artist, you know, or like an herbalist or a music producer, or, you know, like there's, um, there's so much creativity and everything. And like, everything can be an art if you bring, you know, intention and care and consciousness and like, you know, beauty and style and like all these things, like, you know, the way that the janitor mops the floor, like that's, that's art if it's done well, like if it's done with intention and care. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know we were talking a little bit before this conversation um, about 
the war of art, like Stephen Press, Pressfield's work. Uh, and I, I so love his, his book and, and everything that he puts out to the world uh, from that perspective. And I think, you know, the, the example that always resonates with me is, you know, a writer opens up their computer, I guess, typewriter or pen and paper, whatever your medium is. You're just staring at a blank page. And there's this such a profound feeling of resistance there that you just cannot start. And I think every single artist can relate to that, right? Like, what is that barrier? Like, why is this barrier here? Why can't I start? And like, I don't know, I know you've, you've thought about Stephen Pressfield's work. Um, you've thought about resistance before, but, you know, has that come up in conversations that you've had with people? How do you think about resistance in general? Yeah, that's a, uh, it hasn't come up in conversation that much, but I think I'm reworking the the final four questions that I ask everybody. And I feel like that's a really important one. Um, so I think that might be one of the questions for season three that I throw at people. Cause yeah, everybody goes through it at different times and different ways. And, um, and you just have to push through it. And, you know, I feel like, a lot of that resistance exists in the ego and our ego is the one that thinks into the future or connects to the past. That's like, that, that, that's really what it seems like anxiety and depression are is like a connection to an outcome that may or may not ever happen in the future or a connection to a past event that did happen. And then you can't get out of it. Um, but the place to be is presence and presence in this moment right here and now, like that's where your soul exists and, and can play. And that's where creativity exists. And so, um, you know, if you sit down and you're like, you don't know what to write, that's because you're thinking about what to write. But if you're like, your soul doesn't think about anything, it just is. And it just exudes and like, pours out creativity so really i've said this um before this quote there's a one of my favorite quotes is by this guy robert Henri, and uh he was an artist from 100 years ago or whatever and uh it says the goal is not to make art the goal is to be in that wonderful state of being where making art is inevitable so what we as artists and creatives and are what we're really, what we really need to do is create the situation where art just happens. Like we need, you know, and we just gotta, we gotta go through the, there's like lots of practices that you can do to just like get the pen moving, get the brush moving. You know, there's like, you know, if you sit there and you look at the computer and nothing's coming, well, just start typing, just like, just start typing words. And then like the words will start to connect and then things will happen. You're looking at a blank canvas, just put some color on it. Like, just go. And then once one thing leads to another, leads to another. Like, if you're sitting there in paralysis over what to do, writer's block, quote unquote, it's because you're thinking too much. <laughs> and like, either you need to just start doing or you need to get out, change the scene, get inspired, like go for a run, go like hang out at the coffee shop, do whatever. Like life is so full of amazingness you know and to like 
you know, maybe the problem is that you're like sitting inside and like thinking too one dimensionally about it. Um, you know, just get in the flow of the, I mean, like creativity is like, is really like organic growth. It's like asking what if, or asking what's next, and then just doing that thing. It's like a natural law of the universe. So like, that's really what you want to like connect with and go with is like, what if, what if we do this? What if we try that? What if we add this to that and blah, blah, blah. And like, before you know it, but I mean, sometimes it's like, it feels like a painting just like paints itself. And I'm just like helping it paint itself. I love that beautifully said. And I agree. I think a part of that too, for me is, is taking action cures that fear, right? It's, it's such an action oriented thing that you have to do. It's also like your ability to, you know, jump in and practice something like it's, it's about practice. You can't just show up and expect to, you know, paint the Mona Lisa. Like you gotta, you know, get on it. You gotta show up every single day. It's gotta become habitual. And then maybe one day you'll have, have that moment or you'll have the several days that might transpire in that final outcome. But that's actually never what it was about. It was never about that final product. And this is why like, I think about goals. Goals are kind of a fallacy in a lot of ways. Like if you write a goal, I think that's cool. Um, goals can certainly be helpful. But when you write a goal, then you're so fixated on that endpoint and that output that A, you've already made it too hard. Like it's probably already out of reach because you wrote this goal and you expect like transformational change to happen on a very finite period of time. Versus if you focus on like incremental gains or like systems and you think about, well, what, what is the thing I can do that's just like 1% better today? Or what are, what are the things that I can do to show up and, and just show up today? Like, it's not about going for a run. It's actually about putting my shoes on and walking out the front door. That's a success. If I made it that far, I can turn around. That's fine. But if you made it that far, you're probably going to go for a run, right? So it's trying to like build out the, the habitual systems in place that are going to serve your life versus the habitual systems that don't serve your life. And, you know, I think of the, the whole Stephen Pressfield and, and resistance concept, and a lot of it, he, he talks about agitation and he talks about like that writer's block or whatever it may be, however that manifests in your life and your kind of creative pursuits, but it's your ability to acknowledge that, sit with it, work through it, struggle, and then you'll have a breakthrough moment. Or maybe you don't, and that's also fine because you're still putting in the reps and you're just building toward that, that moment that things will change. And if you're investing in yourself and if you're practicing, if you're showing up and drawing every single day, then you're getting better. Like you're totally getting better. You're practicing. There's no way you can think about drawing and make a plan to draw six, from, six months from now, I'm going to draw this beautiful caricature of whatever. No, that's, that's, not, that's not how it works. You got to practice. You got to get there. You got to build the skills and the experience and put in the time, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, and a lot of times the thing that like gets in the way of getting things done is your idea of, of it. And then like that almost creates this like bubble that is in the way of it um, between you and the thing. So it's like, 
yeah goals are so weird how you you need to have them and they're so like motivating and they give you a direction and you you go after things but at the same time the goal doesn't matter like the goal isn't the thing going after the goal is the thing perfection isn't everything striving for perfection is it and if you try to be perfect then it's like it it it's like putting the cart before the horse hey hang on a second i'm gonna put nova in the other room she's uh she's getting a little restless and we're back he's gonna jump back in because i have a thought on what you just said um yeah so this is where i'm like not entirely convinced that goals are even that helpful to be honest with you because all right if you think about it like you and i could have the same goal and maybe it's mutually exclusive which means one of us won't achieve our goal right not every olympic athlete can win gold but they all have the same goal so then like why why are we even making goals if if that's the the outcome right it's it's not a the writing the goal doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to reach that goal right is my point and i think of well does it even really matter to have a goal if you're if you're actually you shift and you focus on the process and if you're gaining more and more out of that process like sure you might end up at the same goal like every sports team wants to win the game at the end of the game right like you don't put up on the board like our goal is to win like everyone knows that duh but what's really going to win the game is the process it's the the incremental work that you've been training for it's stringing your passes together it's scoring the goal when you're in the moment it's making the save or the defensive play it's it's the smaller things that eventually if you just do all those really well you're going to win the game right it's like why even think about the score like it doesn't matter like just do all the other stuff and then score will come right yeah i feel in general (laughs) like yeah totally i mean and and like big goals are sort of these like giant abstractions anyway um and like really what what wins the game is focusing on those fundamentals and the little things and like making sound decisions and blah 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 yeah that's that's definitely the focus and then i don't know but i feel like you do want to have a goal like a goal is a good way to give yourself a direction um and like i feel like one of my one of the things that's helped me be successful as an artist is that when I was sitting in my art history classes, I was like learning about all these artists through time. And, and they were telling us like their, the stories of their lives and how they like came to think about art and all these things. And I was like, why not me? Like, why not? Why not me? These people are all just people. And so why not me? So I sort of like formed this goal and like visualized myself as like one of these people successful at art, like ending up in the history books. And, and I feel like that goal has really helped keep me, like keep me going on after it. It reminds me of like Batman and his little like, uh, you know, grappling hook that he shoots on top of a building. Like I shot this grappling hook into this future out like and and it's helped me just like go after it and continue and like stay connected to it 
cross temporal cross dimensional grappling hook Incredible. dude yeah i gotta get one of those I that's when, right when, you're right when batman gets that that's when he's really gonna step it up so this is where like identity i think is really interesting too though because i think it's a you could define that as a goal I also feel like you've probably embodied a lot of that into who you are and the types of decisions that aspirational persona would make, right? You're like, oh, if I want to be one of these people someday, you stop talking like that. You just start saying, well, maybe I am one of those people now. And what types of decisions should I make now, right? Because I, like, I have a problem with like, well, in six months, I'll be happy because <laughs> I'm going to reach my goal. Right. It's like you right. can't defer happiness for your whole life. You can't just put put all these things on a pedestal and say like, well, oh, my life will change when I finally get this. It's like, you're just pushing that summit and you're just going to keep hiking and hiking and hiking. But if you stop and you just enjoy the hike itself and you start forgetting about the peaks, one day you're going to look up and you're on top of the mountain. You're, it's going to be breathtaking. And you weren't yeah. stressing out about getting there because you were so focused on all the other stuff that was right around you, right? Yeah, yeah. In uh, the movie Soul, they... Uh, yes, such a good movie. Such a good movie. The main character, like, when when he's like, wait, is, is this it? And they're like, you're doing it. Like, this is it. It's, you know, and he kind of, he sort of let down. He thought it was going to be, like, a bigger moment for him, like an aha, like, oh, my gosh. Like, you know, and I've heard, a, like, a lot of people talk about this, about how, like, you know, when they get to the, the thing it's like awesome for 20 minutes and then they're like left empty because they feel like they're like man i thought it was gonna be better i thought whatever and now it's it's just now here i'm here still and that's where um i like to think of you know like the this goal of mine as being like this artist you know that's like climbing a mountain um and it's this like journey of a ten thousand steps as soon as you create that reality that future reality you're taking your first step and what's the difference between step one and step 9999 like it's they're all steps and each one is valuable so like once you've created that vision that idea and you you're on the path like you are successful as that as your artist of whatever kind like you're on your flow so like just because you haven't had the breakthroughs and whatnot like as long as you're going towards it like that is success and then you're gonna like experience various breakthroughs along the way um but it's all good yeah it's funny like i mean so in ultra running or really i guess in any athletic endeavor in general but ultra running is what i'm more familiar with in this current moment like after you run your 100 mile race like there's like a huge swing for the next couple of months of like depression and anxiety. And like you struggle with life. Like it's just like this natural cycle that happens, but you train so hard for this one race for nine months or maybe 12 months. And you've been thinking about it. You train for it. You're like preparing and then you do the event and you finish it. And then you're, you're, you're already like, well, where's the next mountaintop, right? You're already, well, like, what is the thing that I can recalibrate my life to? And like, for me and like for Mary too, I think like the way that we evolved from some of that stuff is a, like we try to get ahead of that, like to the you know best extent possible, just by like 
acknowledging every new training run is a success and just like celebrating that and just knowing it. Like I remember one weekend we had 25 miles Saturday and 30 miles on Sunday. And it was just back to back, you know, and, and we're handing off the kids and, you know, doing the thing. She's like running super early in the morning. I'm running like through the night. Like it was just this whole thing. And I remember like after we finished that particular like bottleneck in the training plan, like that felt like a huge accomplishment to us. So I can only imagine that's like reaching camp four, you know, when you're climbing Everest, you're like, shit, okay, I'm here. Like, you know, we're going to do the summit push, you know, coming up, but then no matter what you can break that journey down, you have that goal, then there's going to be that, that tail end. Right. And I'm still, frankly, trying to figure out, well, what do you do with that, with that moment? And I think a lot of people, that's where like quickly you can develop maybe negative habits, right? You know, quickly you can fall off your training or, you know, maybe you're, you let your diet go because you work so hard, or maybe you start drinking more again or whatever it is within that context. And you're like three months from there, you're like, shit, like what the hell happened? Like I worked so hard and I got this thing and now I just got caught in this lull and I have no idea how I got here. Right. Yeah. And then when you zoom out, it's almost like a net negative for you because uh, of the after thing. So it's like, you really have to have everything in, in perspective and, you know, the overall vision, the off offboarding as well of like from the experience, got to have everything. Yeah. In perspective. And I've thought a lot about that part. And I think this is where for me, it like, what helps me is I just go back to like, I'm a runner. It's what I do. So like after, after a hundred mile race, it's no different. I wake up the next, you know, maybe take a couple of days off <laughs> to heal, no. but, uh, then I wake up the next week and I go for some runs and I've been going for runs for nine months and now I'm just going for more runs and, you know, trying to like, and it's hard, but like de-emphasizing the, the race or de-emphasizing those like moments. And I think, again, it's important, but this is where I'm like, do goals really serve us? Like, I think they do because they allow us to to try to aspire to reach those, those moments, but they're temporary and they certainly don't offer us happiness. That's dispersed. They offer us happiness. That's like really, really intense for a short period of time versus if you're kind of always engaging in that system and you're, you're more even keel, or at least your swings aren't as high as like post-race then maybe after you do an event like that, you can be proud, but then you move on because that wasn't the one thing that was there, right? It's not your runner. It's your identity. You're still going to run a week and a week from now or whatever. It's just, yeah. you know, or like you sell a painting that like you've been working on forever. Great. Keep up the practice of painting. Like there's always going to be another one and learn from it and move on and keep creating. And that's part of where like you get back to the, the Stephen Pressfield, like resistance concept of, you know, even once you do that, the resistance never goes away. So you have to kind of figure out how to, how to keep that, build up those strong habits and keep that a little bit more even keel. Yeah. And like you just said, I'm a runner. Like, it's just what I do. And that's the like absorption of who you are and the practice of it. And it's like, you're just like, you're going to go and do this race. You can do that race and you're going to do no races and you're going to do it all. And you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. And it's just like, you're a runner and you 
take steps forward one after another at a at a pace that's faster than walking like that's essentially what it is and um <clears throat> yeah like connecting one's self or one's self-worth or anything like that like looking at yeah goals are very like results based and so if you look at things results based wise then you're gonna have to like perform in that um arena whereas like i i just had i had the um like a deep realization about me as an artist at one point and I was doing a lot of like self like soul searching of like who am I as an artist what is what is it all about and like I had this like big like structure in my mind of like this is what it takes to be an artist and this is what it means and this is what it looks like and this is blah 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 my realization was just make art that's it you don't have to look like anything you don't have to be anything you don't have to talk anyway you don't have to go to like whatever none of that shit matters yeah that's all that can be part of it. But all it really is, is like make art and do the thing. And so it's like, when you do that and that's who you are, like, that's just your flow. Like you, what do you do after you, after, or what do you, what do you do before enlightenment? You chop wood and carry water. What do you do after enlightenment? You chop wood and carry water. Like that's life. And that's life as a creative artist and, or as a runner or whatever, just do the thing. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, if you want to move from like a lower level to a higher level of something, spirituality, creativity, ethically, emotionally, whatever it is, it's going to take some work. It's never going to be that like, oh, like, okay, I'm just going to change this. And now I'm there. Like you're going to have to build that into habitual behaviors. You're going to have to build that into small things. But that actually, like we've said a few times, I feel like the more you do that, you start embodying that as part of your identity. Like when you wake up in the morning and you set your bed, you're not just setting your bed, you're waking up in the, in the morning, setting your bed and saying, I'm a, an organized person. That's actually what you're saying. And you're identifying as being an organized person. And then that behavior, then there's like a bunch of them that come after that, that you start to do, right? If it's the opposite, then, you know, it's, it might not serve you as well. Right. So like, I think about these things as, like a longer term thing. And you're always kind of on your journey of transformation that never, you're never going to reach the mountaintop. I'm just, I hate to break it to you right now. Yeah. You guys are you guys, And again, I think it's, it's good to have goals, but I, I struggle with the, the deferred success model. And I, I really do feel like, you know, breaking it down and trying to be present in the current moment and, you know, moving toward things that are positive, but also not over prescribing your life in a way that is, is going to be detrimental. And I think most of us that hold these little computers in our hands, try to program everything to the T and we're like, Oh no, it's fine. Like I got an app for that. Or, Oh, like, you know, I'll just get, I'll just go check out my one Instagram post. And all of a sudden 20 minutes go by and you're gone. And it's like, well, what can you do to try to like make, make you the the person that is like owning that process versus being owned by the the gadgets or the things that we have around us right if you want to move from that lower level to that higher level you better be willing to change or at least be aware of some of those habitual things that are keeping you from doing so right which is not easy but no but that's what 
that's what any sort of a process does is it forces you to give up to give yourself fully to the thing um whatever you know whatever background you're in like um whatever you were before you got to let that go and then you become you you go all in with it and when you go all in with something that's when you really see the results that's when like the lightning strikes of <laughs> i mean my thoughts on genius the concept of genius i feel like it's not a person like people aren't geniuses i feel like people that we would call geniuses are people that can create the situation they can create the storm that that will make lightning strike and lightning strike and and that storm is created through repetition and practice and showing up every day and putting in time and energy and like you know releasing your attachments to things that don't serve you and don't serve don't serve the storm oh i like that <laughs> you gotta serve the storm man you gotta serve the storm in order that for there to be lightning and the more you can create that you know like that's when like artists will go and get in these like real creative flows and it's because you know like the conditions were right the um you know you can you can make that storm happen more often and then and then lightning hits and that's what we see when we see like the greatest of all the things like tom brady he's like in the eye of the storm right now and he always has been and he's and like michael jordan and it's like he's like a conductor of this like of this storm where like you know everything happens at such a high level that it's like lightning is gonna gonna hit because it's all there love it love it i you know it's funny because like i've like i brought up scott jerk earlier I think these people that do like these amazing things that like I will never live up to like what they've done. It's it's one of those things that I've like debated myself and like with with other folks. Like, is it healthy to aspire to be Michael Jordan? <laughs> like, I don't know. Is it? Like, I struggle with this. It's like when you put up someone that is so incredibly talented, they are the absolute like best at what they do. And we revere people like that. Obviously, I do too. Usain Bolt, you know, Tom Brady, athletes are like, you can go whatever genre you want. Banksy's up there for, for the work he does. And it's like, or she, because we don't know who Banksy is. We don't. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, that's a real question. Like, is, is that a viable role model or aspirational, like, persona for all of us? Or is that just so unrealistic and that part of part of that goes to like social media in general like we all curate our lives to put out there and we're only putting the best of the best out there and that's all anyone ever sees of other people as well you right know, like well all these people are always doing it they're always on it you know why am i not always on it Sometimes. yeah <laughs> yeah i think that it's uh it's it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier it's like you want to you want to have a goal you want to have these like aspirations and then also let them like don't don't hold too tightly um we do this Haley and i went to this uh, fire ceremony like years and years ago and it was so powerful um and there were a lot of really beautiful nuances to it that i won't go into but there was this but the concept is you uh everyone like got a little 
a little piece of paper and then you wrote down an intention or something you wanted to let go or something you wanted to bring into your life and um and in essence what you did was like uh you blow your you go up to the fire and everyone like holds space for you and you um you like connect with your intention and you look into the fire and you like have a little meditative moment and then you put your piece of paper into the fire and you watch it burn and then you like blow the smoke on you and then you step back and that's your that's your moment and the concept's really cool because it's like the idea is what you're doing is you're you're setting an intention you're connecting with it you're absorbing it and then you put it into the fire and then it burns and you you let the energy dissipate and like go out into the universe and collect energy and then it's going to come back to you when it wants you don't need to hold on to it you know like that holding on is, is holding too tightly. And that's like, you know, holding yourself to the standard of Michael Jordan or whatever. Um, yeah. Hanging on too tight and being like, if this doesn't happen, then I'm not going to be happy, you know, or I'm not going to be full or I'm not going to be the best version. That's, that's going to be unhealthy. Um, but I think to have like a loose, you know, loose hold on it. And really, I mean, I, I get so inspired by people like that. <laughs> the Michael Jordan documentary had a big effect on me. <laughs> and, yep. um, and I, it's funny. Cause like, I, I always knew that he was really good, but, uh, but that just kind of changed it. And I feel like I've like, a, I've brought that into me and like the way that I make art is like, when I'm like busting everything out, busting out my paint stuff, like I'm there to play, I'm there to play with, all my heart and go big and like i want to you know just like live large and let it let it rip and um and so yeah i'm like i'm going after it i'm being that i'm trying to be that and then at the same time like it's I'm, it's not about the goals it's not about the outside thing it's just about being there and doing it that's like that's what feels so great is when you're like in the flow in the zone flow state being whatever it is that you are and doing the thing that you do so like really in that moment the outside the end goal the you know finishing the project or doing the project at whatever level or getting recognition none of that shit matters like and what really matters is like getting into that storm feeling it and like those are the like the most vibrant times some of my most vibrant times in life are like when i'm just like in full flow and it's like, you know, I talk about it all the time, like time changes shape. It seems like you like maybe like parts of your brain quiet down that overthink things and you move into like a different brain state, different brainwave. Like you, there's an inner knowing you're like, you're like led through the experience by your heart almost like, and, and your gut and like your, your whole being. It's not like, it's not like a cerebral element. And like, it seems like you use your brain better you know it's like that's how a brain's supposed to be working not like you know little minutiae thoughts and stuff like that i gotta go around inspire circles man oh yeah man yeah yeah <laughs> next time we're together we'll do it it's great we we do them all the time and it's a really nice thing to do and um kind of regularly and like check in with yourself yeah, yeah. i love i mean I, I i really love the way that you you know, you embody energy, right? So like the Michael Jordan 
example is not necessarily that you're aspiring to be as great as Michael was. Maybe, obviously, you're not even playing basketball. So that's not obviously not what you're trying to do, um, unless you're doing that on the side and I'm not aware. Um, <laughs> and best of luck on that stage. Um, Thanks, but, man. You should see my jump shot. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it because I like, I think we all, we all do that, right? Like we all, we all get really inspired by someone that's, that's out there doing it, whether it's Michael Jordan or like you, like I see you and what you're doing. I get pumped, you know, or I see, you know, other, other friends, shit, man. I see like Elias come home from school and tell me about something that he did. Or like we went to his graduation and the dude performed several songs and dances by himself in a little cap and gown, little four-year-old. And like to see him just get up there, by the way, he's, he's never done anything like this before. So he had no predisposition to this or anything. He just happened to be assigned the, the songs and no other kid wanted to stand up because they were all too afraid. So he stands up in front of like all of the parents and like does like the Cupid shuffle for everybody by himself, holds the stage for six minutes, you know? And like, when you see someone that's so authentically owning the moment and just being themselves and like, whether it's a four-year-old or whether it's Michael Jordan, you got to get expired and you got to like, you know, continue to be inspired by that. And just, you know, again, I feel like that's where the overlap for me with travel is, is like you, every time you go out and you travel, you're kind of put into those positions where you, you kind of get to choose who you are. Like you get to choose a little bit about what I did, the parts of your identity that, that you want to show. Um, obviously you show up in a room the way you show up in a room, but you know, you, you get to choose the behaviors that you want to highlight on a trip. Even, even if you go for one trip, it's like, I hear it all the time. Someone leaves there to, you know, leaves work for a week or two and you go out and you feel so rejuvenated because now you know, your more authentic behaviors can come into line, right? You're, you're breaking every habit that you've, you've made over the past year. And now it's completely severed because you're in a new space. You're around new people. You're doing new things. You're not completely on your schedule that you were on before. And then it's that mirror that travel holds up that you start going, oh yeah, maybe that behavior wasn't serving me. When I go home, I'm not going to do that. Or like, oh, I should do more of this because I'm really enjoying this. I need to create time for this. Right. So it's, it's finding that muse, whether it's a Michael Jordan-esque or whether it's you just actually looking in the mirror and, uh, you know, reflecting on who you actually already are and what you're really good at. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Travel is so awesome for this sort of stuff um for like up leveling yourself in different ways because like you literally can't bring your baggage with like you only can bring so much to the day like along with you you live lighter you um you know and like you can't like when you're at home and you're living your your normal life you have this like structure that you are part of and like you've got your house and your flow of this and that and um you know your daily routines and uh it's very it's just like very like kind of like set and then uh yeah when you travel like you you can't have any of that stuff so then you're just like so much more free um to just be whatever you want to be like you said and uh and it's like it can just you can just rewrite 
your story, your identity, your ideas, like all this stuff. It's like, um, it, it's nice. It like loosens everything up. So then you can, you can like move some stuff around and yeah, travel's like the best. <laughs> it's so, it's so great. Um, it's really fun that your podcast has that as like a central theme um, because it, it's like so wide open. Yeah. And it's, you know, everyone experiences it differently. That's why it's so cool. Like, I mean, I can talk to thousands upon thousands of people and there might be some themes, but everyone's story is different. Everyone's experience is different. Everyone's level of comfort or skill set is different. And like, that's, it's awesome. I mean, we've had a lot of visitors like come down to the Island and hang with us and like, everyone is different and like what they want to do. Some people like jump on public transport and just want to use the local buses. Other people, you know, get like a really nice car. Like, you know, people stay in different places. They, they seek out different types of activities. They interact with locals differently. Like they tell us about things on the island that we never heard of. Like, it, I love it. Like, I love every part of that because we all move through this world a little bit differently, right? And there's always something to learn and something to continue to explore, right? Yep, yep. The world is so dynamic. There's always more. It's so big. <laughs> Indeed. Cool, man. We're, we're flowing here. We've been flowing for a while. Yeah. Is there, uh, you got any directions you want to take it? I know we talked about a few of the things we, we wanted to, but. Mm, I don't know. What are, you, what are you thinking? I mean, this is kind of in the art and life vein of things. Is there any mm -hmm. art and lifey stuff you want to talk about? Yeah. I mean, I think we've been touching on it a little bit, but um, I'd love to hear like, you know, your aggregation of knowledge that, that you now have, like, you know, what is next for you in terms of continuing to share out some of that like cataloged knowledge? Do you want to do more with this than just the, the archive of the podcasts? Uh, like, how do you want to stay connected with your audience? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's so much cool stuff in the works. Um, yeah. It's been really cool how the podcast has sort of been this like concept mining element for me and sort of like uh a catalyzing effect in in terms of like my overall philosophy and stuff it's always it was always there and kind of floating around but like the podcast it's like it comes through me and then comes out in words and it like takes more shape um so yeah i mean the podcast uh we're gonna be adding on another team member um a friend of ours, a friend of mine who does some video production and, um, and some editing and stuff. So he's going to be doing some of the podcast editing. And then also we're going to be, um, pulling quotes from the podcast and like pulling concepts and then sharing those on Instagram and like, um, putting them into the blog and, um, and we've got a retreat coming up oh my god this is exciting um i mean the overall concept you know i'm like making the podcast for myself from the past and uh through talking to all these different creatives of all different backgrounds my life as an artist i'm interacting with a lot of artists all the time and seeing like what works for them and how does how are they how do they make their living and like what are these things and i'm seeing all these like commonalities these like i'm calling them pillars and the pillars are like the pillars to success as a creative artist 
from whatever background you are, um, it doesn't really matter. Um, these things work. Um, they're more like, you know, it's, it's stuff that works in this day and age and the, the way that you um, do your flow as a creative artist. And, um, and so we're putting, we're doing a retreat um, to teach people how to, how to make it. The tagline is, uh, you know, art schools and the like can teach you how to make the art, but they can't teach you how to make it as an artist. And there's so many people with art degrees that don't end up using them. And um, I feel like this, this sort of stuff, like I wish that I could have gone to a retreat like this when I was fresh out of college or, you know, it's like, if you weren't really want to want to go after it, there's like, there's just like all this, this wealth of knowledge and understanding of like what I've put together through the years. And then it's like packaged up for, for people. So that's going to be, put together and, and with that putting together the the curriculum for this I've been doing a ton of writing on the concept and so now I'm like starting to stack up pages of writing so pages that are going to turn into a book at some point and um you know so it's it's really cool how it's all it's all sort of flowing together and morphing together and um you know, this is the first, the first one's going to be in the end of February. And then the idea is to do like more, you know, we're creating the template and then we're going to be able to do these like a couple, three times a year and maybe do them in different parts of the country so that they're more accessible to different people. And, um, and then with that, we're going to be like interacting with all these people and creating this community of creative artists. And like, um, you know, the idea I've talked about it on the podcast with different artists how like we're not in competition with each other we're in competition with ourselves or like the ghost of ourselves the ghost of us that's like working harder than us you know that's like putting in more hours like you know doing doing whatever more better blah 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 so like that's really the only competition we have so like our contemporaries our colleagues like they're you know we're all in the same we're all pushing uh, the the rock of creativity up the hill. Like that's what we're all doing. And we're all, so like, we're all in it together. We're all supportive of each other. We should be, you know, there is no competition. We're all, you know, we should all be the each other's biggest fans. So yeah, love it. <laughs> that's beautiful, man. And I, I couldn't think of anyone better to, to bring that group together and have kind of a cohesive community around the, the type of work that you do and the type of guests that you bring on and the community that you're creating. That's awesome. That's very, very exciting. And I, I definitely give you uh, tons of kudos for shifting into that next step. That's really, really cool. Yeah. It's going to be so much fun. And now the, the retreat is like really, it's like one-on-one -on -one time. Um, a lot of like um, group work, it's going to be really um, like, close or uh there's only gonna be 13 people um and then long term like in two or three years after we've built up this like community of people we're gonna we're gonna host a summit where it'll be like rent a theater and like have have talks like speeches by people who've been on the podcast you know like all these like successful artists of back different backgrounds and um so like, yeah, it's like, there's a lot of community growth. And that's one thing, like, I just love people. And this is a part where like my art, part of my art is 
is like me as a person. And like, this is all kind of like different forms and manifestations of, of that. For the guest that's the, the uh, listener right now, that's, that's tuning in and they want to learn more about this, these events, man, what do they do? Where do they go? Um, we got a landing page on the website now. Um, and we could put a link in the show notes, of course. And yeah, space is limited. Jump on it. <laughs> it's going to be it's like sweet. Southern California or? It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's in Southern California. We rented a mansion Airbnb in a place called Rancho Santa Fe, which is super nice. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, Southern California and end of February, like, why would you want to be anywhere else? <laughs> it's going to be nice. <laughs> Um, it's a three-day thing, so people arrive on like Wednesday night. It's February twenty-third, twenty-fourth, twenty-fifth, They arrive Wednesday night, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Like as soon as we wake up, start with some yoga, some meditation, go into these different activities, and like you know, group work, one-on-one work, creative breakout sessions, all these things um breakfast lunch and dinner is all taken care of there's a pool there's a hot tub at this place it's like um it's gonna be really cool and the community is gonna get it's like a super intensive situation where like three days just like you're with these people and you're going everyone's gonna be like developing their concept of like who they want to be and like really we're like we're giving everybody grappling hooks into their, (laughs) into their successful future. And then we're like giving them roadmaps of how to do it. And like, um, yeah, I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to tell what all is going to go on, like, you know, the details, but yeah. Stay tuned. (laughs) You know, you're going to hook people up with that trans dimensional trans temporal grappling hook. And it's, it's worth it for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's going to be so cool to like follow on, you know, we're going to, we'll create a Facebook group and then everybody will like stay in touch through time. And um, we'll get to like watch these artists, you know, go through their whole transition, like at, at the retreat. And then we'll follow along through time and watch what everyone does and like share successes. My friends, uh, Carlos and Sarah, Carlos was on the podcast. Um, he's like number 64. He, Carlos and Sarah are such a cool couple. And one thing that they, that I love that their concept is, is all about team wins. So they just think of themselves, the two of them. And and we, as a friend group of like, we're all about team wins. So like when one person has a success, like we all celebrate it, you know, almost as if it's like our success. And so like we can, it's such a cool frame of mind to like experience and go through with people because like you know when when someone has a success like we all celebrate like yes the team is winning the team is doing good stuff like i'm not in it you're not in it alone you know and and so like we're definitely bringing the team wins element to the group i'm all for team wins that's fantastic right right so exciting cool man that's great yeah well um so we've been rolling for two hours. Is there any uh, any final parting words on season two that you want to share with us? Man, season two is really cool. Um, I feel like I'm just 
glad that I made it through and then and did it there was a lot of like adjustments of like scheduling and and like development of the concept and um yeah it was I feel like it was definitely a success and I've got so much there's a lot there's a lot that I'm really excited to like shift and level up for season three um yeah and it's cool it's like I think everybody should make a podcast it's such a cool process and um and you learn so much and uh you know I've talked about it on my podcast how at a certain point I stopped like being self-conscious about it like and that was a real breakthrough for me in terms of just like talking on a podcast and like because we're all just it's all it's all just a social construct we're just making all this stuff up as we go and like people care but at the same time nobody fucking cares it's not like it's like like you can just kind of like let go and be loose about things and just be yourself and I think that's one thing that I'm really happy about I feel like I'm like I feel like I'm really settling into myself as as this role of like podcast you know interviewer and producer cool yeah we're all just throwing stuff into the metaverse you know <laughs> dude right <laughs> everybody's making it up that's it that's and if it. they say they're not they're wrong <laughs> <laughs> so true yeah I love it. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I also just want to take a moment to thank you for inspiring and sparking my journey. I'm looking forward to my next season as well and kind of continuing to build and similar to you, just, you know, experimenting with structures and trying to go for some, some other guests um, that are there maybe a little more uh, exclusive these days. So should be fun to experiment and jump into it and uh, continue to touch you up with folks. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think it's really cool how like your podcast and mine are, are very similar. It's just a different theme. And, um, and in one thing about those is that like, it's just like a wide open, it's like, it's a wide open frontier because uh, you know, like at the same time as getting like guests with, you know, bigger recognition and maybe more followers or whatever that like, you can get just as much value from a podcast as like interviewing that person as you can interviewing like anybody, you know, like everybody has wisdom and everybody has a perspective and a story. And so like, that's the beauty of it. And, um, and I don't like, as I, as I go after people with bigger names and followings and stuff, like I also, always want to continue to interview you know my old friends and like you know whoever um just like have like funky fun fun little interviews yeah and i think that's what this medium's all about right it's it's getting those people connected through that thread and sharing stories that overlap um despite who you are where you're from what you do and like that's what makes it so beautiful and again like I, I look down the list of the folks I've talked to. And if all of us happen to be in a room together, hanging out, just learning from each other would be so awesome. And like, I just want to keep that vibe up and I'm excited for you and your retreat. Cause I feel like it's kind of taking that concept also to the next level, just pulling people in and helping them level up and, uh, you know, live up to their own true potential, which is exciting in your space for sure. And, Man, I can't wait to see how that grows. That's cool. Let me know if you need anything. I'm in. Thanks. Awesome. <laughs> it's going to be, it's, it's, re I feel really excited about it. Um, 
And anytime you feel that, you're in the right direction. Oh, yeah, man. Cool. Well, I think we did it. I think we did it. I think we knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. Great job. You want to, maybe we'll see about doing this again next season. Same time, you know, next December when it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Let's, uh, I'm sure there's like an interstitial or two before then that we can get in, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll talk it out. We'll definitely connect again. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, Art and Life, TG, signing out. All right. Thanks for touch one today, buddy. So that, my friends, was my interview with Ben Morse from the Tetuat podcast. Ben is a longtime buddy of mine. We've uh, known each other for many years. I first met him, I was uh, coaching the men's soccer program at Colorado State University, and Ben was a freshman, and uh, he made the team, and yeah, I got to coach him for four years all of his four years at csu is so cool and in that time there was a lot of like games a lot of practices um i got to know him just really well and we became really good friends outside of soccer also and um yeah we stayed friends through all this time you know we have very similar interests in terms of like um traveling and then art and I don't know, all kinds of stuff. We used to love to just like sit around and talk philosophy. And it's kind of cool how we both ended up with these podcasts. And yeah, he came to me last year, uh, maybe like in the middle of my season one. And he started, he was like, I think I've got an idea for a podcast. And then, yeah, we, we talked it through a lot and he, he ended up, uh, yeah, going for it. And it's a really fun one. I definitely recommend checking it out there's some really good interviews and with really cool people and i like to listen to it while i'm making my art in the studio uh it's inspiring and like thought provoking and uh he interacts with a lot of high level human beings so it's really cool and yeah this was a fun this was a fun conversation we didn't know exactly what we were going to do but we had we had kind of an idea or a direction and yeah just went with it it's cool. This podcast is a lot of fun to do, and it's really cool to see like what's what's coming out of it, what's coming through, and uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna just keep doing this as long as, as long as I'm around. Like, why not? It's so great, and it's like there's always gonna be more awesome people to talk to about art and creativity and. Like I said, everybody's an artist in their own way. So it's a wide open field here, folks. And uh, yeah, I just want to say that I really, really, really appreciate you listening. And I hope that you're getting out of getting a ton out of it. And, um, you know, that's having a positive impact on your life. Like I said, I'm like making it for me from 10 years ago. Um, And it's, it's what I wish I had to listen to. And uh, that's the whole idea. So yeah, hopefully you're enjoying it. I, uh, yeah, I, I want to just say thanks for being along with the ride. And it is 
it is quite a ride. It's like doing a podcast. It, it's it's more like it's more confronting maybe than I thought it would be. Um, it really like pushes pushes you to be like your best authentic self in really interesting ways. It's been really cool. It's cool like observing the uh, the podcast effect in my life. And yeah, I, I, I really highly recommend it to everybody. Like if you have an idea, you should do it and just try it and know that it's not gonna be perfect at first, but that doesn't matter. And it's really good because at the beginning, like no one's really listening anyway, you know, like your closest people and they support you and whatever you do. And um, I mean, it doesn't need to be like that. You could you could market it and launch it and have a big start if you wanted to. But um, yeah, I say go for it. And I, I say go for it for any creative idea that you've got. Like either it's going to work the way you think it is or it's not. And either way you learn and then you can keep you know going in the direction you're going or you can adjust and go in a different direction but um taking those steps is what's important and the first step is the hardest like just doing it and so if you can just you know just commit to something and then go for it that's that's how it works and then all the the rest of the steps are just like organic growth from there and that's creativity guys in a nutshell oh love you guys appreciate you um yeah see you next season cheers